Welcome to Insights. This is Paul Ellis, Managing Director of Ellis Wealth Management, where we encourage you to invest in what you love. Ellis Wealth Management is an independent financial services firm focused on planning, advice, coaching, and investment management. We are dedicated to the families we serve, and we encourage you to invest in what you love. Within Insights, we look at ways to make our world richer through focusing on sharing, and developing human capital. Well, all right. What a great, great day it is in the beautiful Pacific North. West, And this is the time of year where it gets a little chilly, uh, but it's still beautiful. You can look out your, out your windows, have the fireplace on, and have a nice, something nice and warm, hot chocolate or something uh, to drink, and just sit back and enjoy yourself this time of year. This is beautiful. Well, listen, I'm very pleased today to have a colleague with me. His name is Cy Alleman. He is the senior vice president with Amundi. Amundi is a fund company. And Cy, he covers the Northwest. Uh, He also covers Alaska, Montana, and Idaho for independent advisors and bank groups. He's also responsible for maintaining relationships with financial professionals and helping them acquire new clients through thinking about marketing as well as education. He's built a reputation as a leading specialist in Social Security and Medicare, and he is just a terrific person. His passion is for helping clients both with their business and personal development. He is a CFP, that's a Certified Financial Planner. He earned his bachelor's degree from the University of Oregon in political science. He was also the second team Pac-10, all academic, in 2001. He played football for the Oregon Ducks as a wide receiver, and he has that same high competitive mindset in every area that he places himself in. Cy lives with his wife, uh, Morgan, in Seattle, and he has two sons, and they've got their, their dog, Yogi. What we have today is a great time ahead of us. With Sai, Sai, how are you doing today? I am doing great, Paul. Very happy to uh, spend some time with you. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Listen, the first thing that people is going to be on people's minds for sure: wide receiver, Oregon Ducks, Pac ten. We're Pac twelve now, and then we're going to be something else. But the rivalry between the University of Washington, Go Dogs, Oregon, the Ducks. Speed, determination, that organization has been high on the list for a long time. What did you learn playing for for Oregon? People are going to want to know. I I, I was going to have that at the end, but let's just get it out of the way. (laughs) What did you learn? How was it? Well, that's a a big question because I'd really say, the, the foundation to who I am is tied to my time spent at University of Oregon on the football team. It, it's just such an experience, a full mind, body, spiritual experience. So it's hard to pin down 
maybe a quick answer there. But hey, we got some time on this call. I might as well share my story a bit around it. And, you know, being here in Seattle, uh, it, it's a tough thing to be an Oregon Duck. I, I get pushed around <laughs> a little, but uh, people know who we are around the country. And I, I love that I was there from 1998 to 2002. It was a transitional period with Mike Bellotti as our coach and we had Jeff Tetford as our offensive coordinator. My wide receiver coach was Chris Peterson, who mm. uh, did, did a great job here in Seattle, right, for your Huskies. Yes. It, it was the time where the team went from middle of the pack to some pretty elite performance. In fact, my last game was against CU in the Fiesta Bowl, and we finished that season number two in the country uh, and almost got a chance to play in the national championship game that year. But with all of that success, you've got a lot of young athletes on that team, and not every one of them gets to be the star performer out there. Mm-hmm. And I, I was, you know, I was one of those people that, like everyone else who joins, it was my goal to be the superstar on the team. You know, it didn't, it didn't play out that way. So, so it's almost, it's funny. I think we all talk about goals and achievement and success in my experience in that time where my head was at it it was considered a failure or not reaching your goal I'd say it was really difficult just emotionally at that time when I was just an 18 year old or Mm -hmm. 19 20 year old to sort of learn that I had limitations and boy now I'm much older than that and I look back at that time and it's such a success in developing a young man into really how to how to move around in life and and how to function and some of the challenges I had at the time or limitations they kind of give me a roadmap now on what not to do and uh, changes that you you can make to be more successful. So uh, it's kind of an odd response to what did I learn, but I, I just got a really good guide map on how to go after something, how to be free, and how to how to talk to yourself in a really positive way. That's that's huge. Being able to receive counsel from others, but also being able to counsel yourself through self-talk, I think is really a, a key. It's extremely helpful because you may not always have somebody else on the other end of the line, but you're always with you, right? <laughs> you know? And so as a as an 18-year-old, 19-year-old, 20-year-old, you're, you run your last route and you walk back into the, the locker room, you, you hang up the cleats, and you're now going to run a different route. It's, you know, you're graduating and you're you're looking to do, what are you going to do next in life? And for some people, that transition from playing in high school or playing in college and then having to step onto a new field, the work field, is a bit of a challenge for them. Mm-hmm. How, how did how did you navigate that? Well, I'll tell you what, that's one of the blessings, so to speak, of the challenges I had at, at reaching my goals on the football field is that I wasn't tied into the focus on going to the NFL and playing professional sports. 
I, I worked through that in the years of college and, and realized I need to be a professional in, in something else. So it, it gave me a lot of just energy, almost a chip on my shoulder, a new going to a new place where I could prove that I was valuable uh, was really important to me coming out of that high intensity, high competitive environment where I did great. I played, was supportive on special teams, had a few catches here and there, but didn't quite hit the goal that I wanted. And man, a colleague, well, a good friend of mine on the, the team who was older than me introduced me to the financial industry. And he had been out of college for a year in that world. And so kind of gave myself and my, my best friend at the time some advice on, hey, this is a whole arena where you can define a career in, in many directions. So it was kind of a perfect transition for me. I moved out of Oregon, moved to Denver, Colorado, a new city, and started at the most entry level possible for an asset management company, Oppenheimer Funds, which is very reputable. It, it was a great yes. place, but it was, yeah, it's a new arena to, to uh, work into. So you started, you said, at the most entry level possible. What, what, what was that and what, how did that go? <laughs> well, they, they had a call center. It was a customer service call center. And in those days, people would invest directly with the mutual fund family. And they would call in with all types of questions about their investments. Some of them for people who aren't investment savvy were, you know, very beginner level questions. And some of them were from financial advisors, very advanced level questions. And they need a lot of people on the phone to, to manage that. And so I, I came in, uh, I had a political science degree, so wasn't really a finance pro at the time. So I just had to start from the beginning. And I tell you what, now that I look at it, it, I think some people talk about working in a restaurant really gives you an understanding of what customer service is and kind of a humility. I, I, I think working on the, on the phone centers has that same effect. I can tell you, I, I made quite a few mistakes and got yelled at. I saw some, some good sides to folks and some bad sides too, but it, it just uh, made you understand the the human side of investing and how important it is for folks. You know, I worked at the customer service department of Seafirst Bank many, many, many moons ago. Just mentioning the, the, the name of the bank shows <laughs> us many, many, many moons ago. But being in that call center, call after call, you know, you have to be able to work with a variety of challenges from people who have a variety of needs and they all need it now. And you, you have to go from, you know, the most basic question to some very complex forward thinking ways of solving some problems. And I do believe that it is the backbone, just like waiting tables is the backbone for owning a, owning a restaurant. I think that those things are really, really, really important. So you're in Denver and you're in the call center at Oppenheimer. And what, what did you do next? Obviously, you're no longer in yeah. Denver, but what did you do next? Well, it's funny. You're, you're, you're hitting a point in my life that was very impactful uh, to this day. And the people involved 
I don't know their names or where they are now, but they had some of us younger customer service reps that were looking at career opportunities. They had us go sit down with the leadership in the sales team there for Oppenheimer. And it was two gentlemen, very professional, laying out what their job is and what they do for the firm and and how you can grow and flourish there. And man, I just remember in my head, it really clicked. This, that's the track for who I am. Remember I said the bedrock of Oregon football, the, the competitiveness was, it was like, uh, it's the base of what gets me excited. And here was this field where they, they show your, your performance every day, stack rank based on the amount of assets that moved in from the region that you cover. And you've got to know all this information. You've got to get to know people and you're moving around every day. It, it just, they, they painted a picture for me that was like, okay, this financial industry is great, but here's a spot where it, I think I could run with this for a really long time. So they laid out, using a football analogy, they, they showed you a play out of the playbook, and they showed you a position yeah. that you could play and that you could excel at. And you could basically yeah. take that, that information and run with it. Yeah, And it basically kind of pulled back the curtain to show, hey, this is something that you can do and you can succeed. And here are two gentlemen who are embodying that kind of success. Is it, Do I have that correct? Yeah, you, you said it very well. <laughs> well, that, well, and that's great because people need, there's different types of mentors. There's those that come yeah. alongside you, put their arm around you and say, this is the way that you should go. This is what I would suggest doing, and this is how to think about it. But then there's these other ones. You see them. They're there. They're real. They're flesh and blood. They're moving. And that becomes kind of a beacon, if you will, that this path, this career, this desire is real because it, it's not being manufactured. It's not on TV. It's not a script that somebody else is handing someone else to act out. That person's real. This job is real. Those opportunities are real. And I really, really want that. Man. You, I mean, and it, what was, this is what makes it really interesting is the, at the time, that particular sales force in the nation relative to other firms and groups they were the division one high performers. So, mm. it, so I got, so I got an interview and quickly in the interview, my current skill set was not division one mm. as, as much as it, as I would have loved it to, it, it wasn't. And I get back to the, that Oregon experience. I think, had things just went smoothly for me and I be, had, had things been an easy road, getting into that situation, I might have been upset or told them, no, I, I am the one, even though I wasn't. I, I knew this was a second chance and that what I needed to do is build and create the skills to become D1. And so I went and interviewed with all the companies in town for that same role. 
And one of them said, hey, you, you've got some potential. Come on in and we'll develop you. Then it goes on from there. From that company, I, I quickly wanted to become an external person that managed their own territory. And they didn't think I was the right fit. I think if, if I, everything went smoothly in my, my college days, I, I might be upset or change my career direction. I was focused and, and I started interviewing with other companies and a really nice gentleman who's still a close friend and colleague with me at the time, I was 26 years old, he completely took a chance and he gave me my own territory in Oregon, mm. uh, which was just a, just an absolute Right. I, I didn't really have the skills at that point, but he could he could feel my passion and and he gave me a shot. And, you know, I think I almost fumbled it a little bit, but it was the beginning to a direction that that I've been on ever since then. You know, there's a story about Michael Jordan, and of course, he used it to, to drive him to success as a freshman in college and then later through college into the NBA and beyond. And that is the, the memory of being cut from his high school basketball team. He didn't have what it took at that particular time, or at least his coach didn't think that he had what it took at that particular time. And he had to go back to the drawing board. Now growing six inches probably didn't hurt, but he had to, (laughs) but, but he had, to really focus on the fundamentals. And that's kind of what you're saying is that you're listening to a group that's D1 and you recognize, I need to get practice. I need to get assistance. I need to get help so that I can do that. And you recognize that you weren't going to get it still being at that firm, but you reached out, you proactively reached out to other firms to say, who's who can I work with? And somebody, like you said, took the chance, saw the potential, and part of the potential is the reach out. I mean, your mm-hmm. your job is a proactive job, <laughs> so so <laughs> so you know that's 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 part of the skill set. Can you can you push through? Can you continue on? And and just for people on the call, you know, Cy, your position is important to advisors like myself. I consider you a practice partner, a colleague, someone that if I have a question on something, I can go to. And if you have the product uh, or products that might be able to fit or help or solve a situation, you share that with me. If it's something that you don't have but you're aware of, you can let me know that as well you also have access to a deep bench in your firm. So advisors working with a really quality divisional manager such as yourself can tap that person to assist in their bench in bringing further information and resources. You are key to what we do. You're not a competitor. You're key to what we do. And so I just want to put that out there for those that are listening why is it important, and why is someone like like Sai in his position important? It's extremely important. In the military, we, we were always told that, you know, for every one person in the field, it takes 10 people to support that person. 
And it's it's important to have quality, quality people like like you in our lives. So again, thank you for coming on. Just want to bring people up to speed on that. Then you're working in Oregon and you're back in your own stomping grounds, really. How did that feel? It, it couldn't have been better. And of course, the person taking a chance on me took that into account, right? That there there would be some easier roads to develop relationships for me out there. But it, it was great to be back there. And uh, you kind of, just hearing you explain what I do and how it works, you really have to expand your knowledge base. To be able to help a financial advisor is very difficult because in your position, Paul, you know so much about a lot of things. <laughs> so in order to to come in and be supportive, it, it takes a ton of work, detailed information, relationships, and support from your firm. And I was, it's funny, as, as this morning, like I said, a, a lot of times I, I have flashbacks of memories in the college football years and how what I did then is, is different than what I do now. And and there's a practice I had. I wasn't performing the level I wanted to when I was, let's say I was 19 years old. And at that time, I thought, well, maybe I just need to get more angry and I need to increase my emotions <laughs> in practice. A little hostility, right? <laughs> I need to rate, yeah. And that was like, that's what I thought would change, would suddenly make me become a better performer. And I kind of went through how silly I must have looked in my head as I was increasing my emotion, but physically still the same human. And this was a stock blocking drill. I don't, we don't have to go too far into the detail here. But, but like the, the, the takeaway from that is, okay, here I am in Oregon. I have my own region. This is a big, uh, challenging position. I've got to gain more knowledge so that these people I'm working with find me valuable i'm not just going to suddenly get more emotional about it or i'm not going to just think that i can get better i literally have to incrementally start working at this consistently for the next two or three years mm. and and boy that adjustment in thinking has been really essential even today now i'm i'm managing my salespeople so this is a new job it's very uncomfortable it's new muscle memory it's easy to get frustrated but i can remember the ones that really were successful in the most elite competitive environment they weren't done with the workout right i would see them doing an additional workout when everybody else was headed back to the dorm mm. and I kind of scratched my head like, huh? Well, turns out all those people that were doing that were in the NFL and me where my strategy was to raise my, my intensity emotionally in a practice didn't get that acceleration mm. and such a good, it's just such a good experience to reflect on when even today when I get frustrated or I feel like my influence isn't at the level that it should be, it's, hey, look more, enhance your knowledge. Take some incremental steps over the next six months and see how that affects how people respond to you. That's an excellent point. Expand on this a little. 
in order to get to the next step, doing the bare minimum isn't going to get you to the next step. It might be keeping you where you are, maybe, (laughs) maybe, (laughs) because this world is changing. You know, you're going to have to do more to stay where you are, (laughs) right? Mm-hmm. So doing the bare minimum might not even keep you where where you are now. Mm-hmm. Adding skills is important. Proactively getting mentors or coaches to help mm-hmm. you with that next step is also important. And I know from our conversations, you've proactively reached out to other mentors and coaches to invest back into your life, even where you are now. Can you share a little bit about yes. that? Yeah, no, that's, Paul, that's a great transition in kind of where where my life is now because I've been in my career for 17 years, had had success, but we all get to those, like, I could call it a plateau or a time where your your agitation around where you're performing is, is higher. Mm. or a time where you feel I just feel felt like I needed progress and this this was a recent situation I think it was two or three years ago and it just wasn't feeling like my potential I wasn't in growth mode and it got to the point where I knew I needed to make a change and so I just started sharing that with people that i I trusted and I went on a 5:30 a.m. run with a running group and very interesting woman and I just sort of linked horns on our run together and I felt comfortable sharing with her where I was just emotionally and how I felt my progress as a human being was and and turns out she's a she's a coach Oh wow! She she yeah. In fact, she was currently coaching a a young gentleman on the University of Washington football team. So she works with executives. She works with a lot of people to help work through sometimes these plateau moments. And long story short, I engaged with her for a couple of years, and she doesn't know anything about my job or what the parameters are that the, the the technicals around what I need to share or how I communicate things. But she knows about the limiting belief that we build into our mind mm. and, and how, how the mindset is so essential to, to having a, to growing. And so I, and I'm talking a little long here, but basically she really she really moved into my mindset and started coaching me on a granular level weekly with small tasks to, to break down those limiting beliefs. Well, that's huge. I mean, you can't move forward if your mind is not allowing you to. You also said something that one of the things that you recognized, and, and maybe maybe this coach helped with that, was recognizing to quote you, I am enough. Hmm. Understanding that I am enough to get from here to there or achieve the things that you want to achieve. Can you explain that for a little bit? Yeah, that that's it's again, now this was this was a lot of, of coaching and conversations and, and walking through scenarios in my life in real time. 
but that's a that's a little mantra that she was able to to identify that is is was really important to me progressing becoming a better leader i have two young boys now so you know the the stress of becoming a father and wanting to make sure you're good and you know, coming out of that football, I, I referenced it earlier. It was I need to to prove people that I am great, and I need to prove that I deserve to be the starter on the team, right? And I spent, gosh, like fifteen years where that was really driving me to succeed, and and I'm very thankful for it because it made me do things that were uncomfortable and difficult, and and really helped me. But it, it wasn't sustainable. And that was part of what, what was feeling. It is part of a transition I've gone through recently. And it was, and she, she and I worked together. And it's that key phrase to me is, is I am enough every day. And I think when you can really believe that, you're more free to, to listen to your gut, to mm. adapt and adjust in real time with, with clients or, with some of your thoughts, you know, sometimes we hold back our ideas for reasons that we don't know. And if, if you settle in, if, if I settle into it, now this is just my little story, but that, man, I'm enough every day for all the people that I interact with. And frankly, it's, it, it builds energy to, to share yourself and, and good things happen when you're, when you're able to do that. Oh, I agree. And it's important to be able to adapt and adjust because the industry is changing um, and life yeah. is changing. The world is changing. It, it's changing rapidly. It's important to recognize with all of the changes, whether it's technology or you know this product versus that product, whatever business you're in, you're in the people business. You have a product. You have a service. But that product is to be used by people, and it's to serve people, <laughs> and <laughs> and you have to interact with people. So, you know, it's it's important to be able to recognize that even as you're adapting and adjusting, growing as a person allows you to bring those skills to other people who then can rely on you, learn from you, and grow with you. And I think that that's one of your keys to success is that you really do have the ability to listen without an agenda or an ego. Uh, you're, you're focused on how do I continue to grow, not just for myself, but as you said, you know, you've got two boys and a family. You know, two, two young boys would be enough to get you out of the house and run at 530 in the morning, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, but I mean, it's important to recognize those things. As we as we wrap up today, what are your thoughts about the industry as a whole? You get to work with a lot of people and again, and, you know, all throughout the Pacific Northwest, also Alaska, Montana and Idaho. So with your insights, Cy, how do you see things as we encourage people moving forward in this changing world? What do you see? I see a lot of change that is moving faster than we are capable of keeping up with. And you have to give yourself space to make mistakes. You, you have to 
be okay when you bomb a business venture or a initiative that you think is going to really be outstanding. And guess what? No one shows up. We all went through so much in the last few years. And I think a lot of people are becoming much more sensitive to what's important to them Mm. at their authentic core. And, And so reaching out to folks in mass marketed approaches, it just doesn't work. So some of the stuff that used to be really good for, for our industry and my business four years ago is, is not, it's just not relevant. It's, it's becoming obsolete. And that's scary. And for some, it makes you try to hold on to things. And I think to have success, you got to be really open to new ideas and try them and be totally comfortable with making mistakes. And every once in a while, you discover something new that's more exciting and, and more fun. And I mean, I can just think about you, Paul, and some of your past positions. And now here, here we are on this wonderful podcast, which really gets people to know you and, and other people in your community better. Would this happen? five, six years ago. Who knows? But I think that we're all discovering new ways to share what we're all about and to live our lives the way we want to. And we got to just be confident in who you are and and try things out to be successful. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, if someone wants to get in touch with you, Cy, what's the best way to, uh, you you don't work with clients directly, but if there are other professionals in the industry that are also listening and want to reach out, how do, how do they get in touch with you? What's the best way? Uh, send me an email. My email is cy.aleman, A-L-E-M-A-N, at amundi, A-M-U-N-D-I, dot com. And, I, hey, Paul, I, I'm a big believer that our industry is a great place for people of all ages. And so reach out to me if this story has any interest on the career side too. I'd happy to, to give some insight. That is excellent. That is excellent. Well, listen, you mean a lot to me. I truly mean that. And I am so thankful that we met. We met through a, a colleague of ours. And it's important to continue to grow, to learn that you're enough, but that isn't a hard lid. That, that means you're the container, and we can continue to put into that container. We can invest in ourselves. Thank you for listening. And until next time, this is Paul Ellis reminding you to invest in what you love.